Welcome to Split, the After Ever After podcast co-hosted by family law mediator Jennifer Sanders and certified divorce coach Ashley Wood. This podcast features other divorce professionals, Q&A, tips, and updated info on all things separation, divorce, conflict resolution, and co-parenting. Whether you're newly separated or divorced, listen now for tips and advice on how to build a foundation for a more peaceful future. Hey listener, as you likely already know, the divorce journey can bring with it an emotional roller coaster of challenges. Whether you are navigating co-parenting, dealing with a high conflict ex, dating after divorce, or more in this new chapter, it's normal to feel overwhelmed and at times really lonely. That's why I'm excited to tell you about our new sponsor, Circles. Circles is an emotional support platform that connects you with a small group of others who are also going through divorce in a safe online space. Guided by mental health professionals, Circles meet weekly in group video meetings and provide support in a 24-7 group chat. And at $79 a month, that is less than the cost of a single therapy session. You don't have to go through this alone. Support is available. So head over to circlesup.com and use promo code SPLIT2022 to get the first month free and join your circle today. Today we are talking about spousal support advisory guidelines, which in family law, people just call the SAG, S-S-A-G. And I want to be really clear in this episode, this is absolutely not legal advice. Spousal support, in my view, is the area where you most need to get legal advice, particularly if there is a large potential award or entitlement, because it's a lot of money potentially on the table for some people. Mm -hmm. If you've had a long marriage, if you're close to retirement, you really need to keep in mind what your income is going to be. There's a lot of money there and it's a big decision. So it's really important to get proper legal advice from a lawyer who does know about calculating spouse. And I'll talk a little bit about that more because they don't all know how to use the software in its most complicated form. It can get really complicated. So the spouse board advisory guidelines, I'll call them the SAG probably in this episode, they are just that they're guidelines. So not like child support where you put in your income and here is the amount that you pay. It's not Uh, black and white. And the courts are filled with these cases because it is all gray. There is very little in the guidelines that we can hang our hat on that doesn't slide somehow. There's lots to be discussed. So I wanted to take a more general view today, which is really, I feel like the only one we can take because there are so many permutations and things to think about. If people are just listening, but if there's video of this, I'm holding up my side, which is a huge <laughs> book. And I, yeah, go through it and highlight it because yeah, there's just so much there. So it's, I want people to understand things, 272 pages. So uh, these were developed in 2008 by groups of lawyers, peer reviewed, and the language is funny to me in this side because they'll use language throughout, like literally they'll say, we did our best to try to accommodate this situation. And then they'll use a lot of language similar to this is now for the courts. Here's what we think is appropriate and may work well based on feedback. The rest is to be determined in the courts, essentially. So 
their understanding too, right? There's not a lot that we can, it's not really anything that we can just hammer down in black and white here. So the spousal support in the guidelines, they have laid out a very complicated formula for, and I'll talk a little bit more about this for what income we use, but it's so complicated that any family law professional who's doing this is going to be using a software called DivorceMate. And so DivorceMate does all those calculations behind the scenes so that you are putting in proper income and deductions, and then it's giving you a range. And I'll back up a little bit actually to say what spousal support is payments. It's often referred to as alimony. That would be in the States and in the US, what they call it, we call it spousal support here, would be payments after separation from one spouse to another. And that's simply what they are. So I'm going to talk about how those payments can be structured. Mm -hmm. So there's lots to dive into even there, even just that statement of putting income into divorce mate. There's lots of how do we consider income? So with spousal support, often it makes sense to look at an average if the income has gone up and down over many years and they don't anticipate recalculating. Sometimes we look at an average income. So even just that, there's lots to look at. We look at deductions such as money from their income taken off for union dues or pension deductions. Mm -hmm. So again, any of these free online calculators, often clients will come and say, I put it, I put my income in and their income in and I got this. It might get you in a range, but it's not going to be as detailed as divorce mate. I don't know of another calculator that is as detailed as divorce mate. That is pretty much the industry standard of one. I was actually going to ask because it's very similar to if you wanted to calculate your credit score, there's like credit karma and all these sort of offshoots. But if you want to get the true number and see what the bank's looking at, you really need to go to the source like Equifax or TransUnion. So I was curious if you felt like any of these other sort of softwares, if they were comparable or not to the divorce mate, because- Mm -hmm. Like I've seen some, even in some blogs will recommend like link to this software that you can download, but I was a bit leery. Yeah. I know the one I usually see is called my support calculator. Um, Okay. Yeah. And I know you can pay for a more detailed version, but the amounts of data, like things that you can change and edit in divorce made and do restructuring, which I'll talk, you talk about. I highly doubt that that's available with something like my support calculator. Divorce made is referred to even in the SAG and there's many lawyers that are continually working on divorce mate. So it's certainly the one that's endorsed to my knowledge. Maybe there are, there is a growing group of family law professionals using something else, but divorce made is the industry standard. One other question before we go on, just for anyone who is in the early stages and they're, they're, don't have much knowledge at all about support. Why would someone be entitled to receiving support? What would be some of the reasons? Yeah. So this is a really good question because it's important to know that, and the SAG is very clear about this. And I think some people do miss this, that just because the software generates a number, it doesn't mean that means there is entitlement. So that's up to be decided in mediation. What I would do with my clients or with your lawyer is there an entitlement there? The software is just a software. So it's not going to take into consideration, for example, it doesn't tie in the equalization payment. 
So mm -hmm. the side does tell us that if there's an extremely large equalization payment, maybe it was even more generous than was calculated, make sure that the person doesn't have debt, they now have their home, that's going to affect the amount of spousal. If I have someone who is currently on maternity leave, has a great job, great money, but they're currently on maternity leave, the income we might put in now is going to show that they're entitled for the next 12 years for spousal support. But we know that's going to change really fast. They're not entitled right. for 12 years. Yeah. So just because there's a number, it doesn't mean there's entitlement. The three reasons for entitlement, the first one would just be contractual. So if there was a prenuptial agreement or what we call a marriage contract in Canada that laid out, you know, amount of years, if there's a divorce, here's what's going to happen. And here's what will be paid for spousal mm -hmm. support. And then there would be sometimes a mix or one or the other between compensatory support or non-compensatory support. So compensatory support is the one we hear of most often. And, and the most common example would be a stay-at-home mom mm -hmm. who, you know, stayed at home for many years to raise the kids. And as a result of that, she has suffered economic loss. The husband's career continued to grow and now he has a high income and maybe she has little to no training to be able to go into the workforce. So now when that marriage ends, He's been working and growing his career for 20 years, and she has no way of earning income other than a, a minimum wage. So that is the one we hear of most. So that's compensatory. So suffering economic loss. Other thing there could be if a spouse moved for the other person's career and stopped their career because of that, like just any reasons that they suffered economic loss during the marriage. The other one is non-compensatory. So they weren't prevented from getting educated, growing their career, but they just had a career where they earned substantially less amount of money than the other spouse. So when the marriage ends, they're having a much lower standard of living. Now, so example I use is a doctor and a nurse. So the doctor is going to be earning much, much more. Maybe that nurse did continue to grow the career. They continued to rise within their income levels, but they're still making $100,000 less. So then we start to tie in the length of the marriage. If that was a short marriage, there wouldn't be a lot of entitlement there. But if that was a really long marriage, and so now that person who's the nurse exits a 20-year marriage and they have to severely lower their standard of living, then there would be an entitlement to spousal. So mm -hmm. we're looking at the length of the marriage, the disparity between the incomes, and then really what are the reasons that there is that disparity? Yeah. Between the incomes. So those are the, our reasons for mm -hmm. support, for entitlement, why there might be entitlement. And then when we're calculating support, it's going to fall under one of two formulas, which again, divorce may calculate. One is with child support. So the payer would potentially be paying. So when there's kids who are going to be recipients of child support, the payer is going to be paying a child support amount. And then they're also going to be paying a spousal support amount. So in that formula, they're going to be paying less spousal because they're also mm -hmm. paying child support. Mm -hmm. So that's with child support formula. When we have a situation with kids, we're not so much looking at the length of the marriage. That's a factor, but especially if one parent is staying home or providing majority of time with the kids, we're really looking at what is the length of time for spousal that this parent can continue to be supported to care for these children. So you could have a situation where you had, let's just make it simple. You had a child who was five 
And it wasn't necessarily a long marriage, but there was an agreement that mom is going to stay home with this child. That spousal support could even go on longer than the duration of the marriage, because the thing that's most important is that mom is supported to continue to care for the child. Right. In that situation. So Mm -hmm. we factor in length of marriage, but we're really focusing on what is needed to be able to provide a home. And so the parent can continue to live and to provide a home. So they would be a recipient of child support for the child and some spousal support for themselves to be able to stay home. Mm -hmm. Now, in that situation, and this is where we start not to get too muddy here, but that's where parents may discuss, hey, things are changing post-separation. We're going to do shared parenting. So we're going to transition to that. And dad's going to be staying at home, providing some care as well. We're going to have shared parenting time. So then it would start to look different. Mm-hmm. But that's really the basis in a with child support formula is how are the parents being enabled to care for the kids. And do you see this cause a lot of conflict during mediation where you have the parent who would be paying is wanting to fight for more parenting time to avoid paying, but you've heard what their day-to-day schedule looks like and thinking, how is this possible? This is not sustainable. Yeah. When I first went into mediation, I remember doing my training and I remember thinking every paying parent is going to do this. They're just going to fight. How are you going to mediate this? Because they're all just going to fight for more parenting time. But interestingly, it definitely has happened, but it doesn't happen too much. For one, we start in with the parenting plan first, usually. So we already establish what's going to be. Okay. That's smart. (laughs) So it's a little bit hard for someone to backtrack and say, now I don't think it's in their best interest because I have to pay too much money. And then a lot of people, especially if there's that big income disparity, it's because they work and travel a ton of hours and Mm -hmm. they just know that they can't do it their kids. And and most people too are a surprising amount more than what I thought restores your faith in people. They just understand that is the pattern and the life they've wanted for their kids. And mom's been home again, this is a stereotypical situation, but Mm -hmm. mom's been home and we're going to continue to support that happening. There is an onus for self-sufficiency. My understanding is that prior to these guidelines, it was much stronger on that. And there was much very strong of how many years so you can get on your feet and get out but much more now I think there are more cases of that compensatory of saying yes you need to be self-sufficient but you also should be compensated for those Mm -hmm. years that you did support that other person so maybe you're able to go on and be self-sufficient within a couple years but you still should be compensated for what you put into that marriage. The common question um, that I hear all the time, what about if a new partner comes onto the scene, if you remarry or you're just even cohabitating with a new partner, can that impact spousal? Yeah, it can. So we'll talk about that. I'll get to like reasons, grounds for variation. And that would be one, yeah, cohabitation. Mm -hmm. So that would be a possible reason for grounds for variation for sure. That's the one that comes up a lot. (laughs) People people want to bring that one up as yeah. Yeah. Um, So we have the two formulas. So we have that with child support formula. The other formula of calculating would be without child support. 
And mm -hmm. then that we're looking there more at the length of the marriage. What is the difference between the incomes? And that's where we're looking at this phrase merger over time. So the right. longer the marriage is, that's why we have spousal. The law is assuming that you've really merged your lives over time. Like a bit, that's the way that I look at it, that both of you have contributed to this business of the marriage and this joint household income in different ways. And so it's not fair for one person after 20 years of doing that to be on the curb and the other person just continues to benefit from that. So then if we've established that, okay, we know that there's entitlement, there's going to be an amount here, then the fun begins of now <laughs> trying to figure out what the amounts are. Divorce me is going to give a range. It's going to give a low, medium, high range. And if we have shared parenting, we're going to look at what the amount is going to be that will equalize net disposable income. That's typically where we're going to go because we're looking at, okay, both parents are providing for the kids. They both have to juggle daycare and a career and the stresses of all of that. So they should share in an equal income for a certain amount of time. We're figuring out what that duration will be. So we're figuring out what that monthly amount, that monthly award will be, which can change. So it could also be a certain amount for a certain amount of years, and then it's going to go down after a certain amount of years. And then we're figuring out duration. So duration can be fixed in a shorter marriage. Typically, a divorce mate will tell you anywhere from half a year to one year for the length of the marriage. And so that may be the way that we calculate duration. Or the software is going to say it would be indefinite. And sometimes people misunderstand this part as well, that indefinite doesn't mean that it's going to go on forever. It means that it will be subject to review. So we haven't determined an end point yet. We're not going to use a crystal ball. So particularly in long marriages is where you're going to get this or with young kids. So it wouldn't be fair to necessarily say, yep, it's going to end in 10 years because we don't know. Will that person be self-sufficient? What will the situation be if they have a long marriage, they don't necessarily need to sign off on a fixed amount of time. They have a very strong entitlement there. So when it is reviewed, then it could end. Mm -hmm. So again, indefinite doesn't mean it's going to go on forever, but it will be continually reviewed potentially forever. It could be reviewed. What would that process look like so subject to review means that so in mediation hopefully they like they can use their dispute resolution meet with each other exchange tax returns so it'd be subject to review based on a list grounds for variation so you brought up cohabitation would be one of them so if the recipient was cohabitating with someone else in a relationship resembling marriage sometimes there's clauses that that wouldn't matter Again, so very long marriage, high entitlement, sometimes that doesn't matter, but sometimes it does. So at that time, they would review the new household income, the situation, is it appropriate to stop spousal or to increase any change in income, any change in health. And then sometimes people would agree to a certain percentage of change. So they don't have to review if there's a small percentage change, but they would agree to a larger percentage. And if there's any other reason that they would want to retirement, kids going into school, so these would be typical set times that they would review, or they can request a review at any time. So they can, like I said, they can do that amongst themselves using their dispute resolution. They would exchange their paperwork. They could try to negotiate what they feel is fair and why, 
they could come to mediation for that, or that's why people are back in court sometimes. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people, like in my experience, clients don't like, even the recipients don't like this indefinite paying. They want an end date. They want to know when things are going to end. So many times clients do find the upper end of the duration just to be unreasonable. Again, even the recipients, they don't want to be economically tied to financially tied to the other person. So they will often negotiate a much lower duration with maybe higher payments, but a much lower amount of time Mm -hmm. so that they can just be finished The other piece that can be done, and again, this is where you want to have a lawyer that can easily do this. If you ask them these types of questions and they can't do it, then that's a red flag that they don't know how to use DivorceMate, but DivorceMate will allow you to do restructuring scenarios. So you can change the monthly amount, say, okay, if we pay this amount for three years and then this amount for five years, they can show you what that would look like with the tax implications, which I'll talk about in a minute, and also what that would calculate out to as a lump sum. Mm. So that's another form of paying that people will often want to do is a lump sum. They just like it better because the money's done. It's upfront from both sides. The payer knows they're done. The recipient gets the money and they can move on. When we calculate a lump sum, again, you have to use that software because it is a very different number than what you would get if you just multiplied the monthly payments by the amount of years, because it factors in tax implications, it factors in net present value calculators, mortuary mortality tables. It's an extremely complicated um, calculation. Okay. Before we move on, when you talk about that the potentially restructuring. So going to a lesser amount at some point down the line for the second half, we'll say, or whatever, for whatever reason, what, why would somebody do that? Would that be because perhaps while their children are a certain age and there would be more costs associated with the kids. So it would be a different amount or what? Yeah. Yeah, there's different. Yeah. So one part of that question could be that another ground for review would be what's called crossover. So often the kids are receiving child support now, but then throughout that duration of spousal support, child support will end. Mm-hmm. It's going to cross over into the different formula into the right. Way. Oh, then you would switch. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So then there would be recalculation, but a common reason I had, I've done a few agreements where it's a higher amount for three to five years because the spouse is the recipient is going to go back to school and get some retraining. Uh, so, okay. so it's really about what their goals are or just to be able to get on their feet after the divorce be able to afford the home. They're going to get a higher amount for a certain amount of years, but then they feel the recipient feels pretty secure. You know what? After that amount of time, I really do want to be self-sufficient and I'm fine accepting that lower amount, but it would taper off to take in consideration when we calculate the lump sum as well. And what, again, a person who knows how to use divorce mate should be able to show you is that while child support payments are not a taxable event, they're not considered income or deductions, uh, spousal support monthly payments are. Mm-hmm. And so a payer, it might look like they're paying $1,000 a month, but it's not really $1,000 a month. And the software will be able to show according to their income and what tax bracket they're in exactly what it is they're actually paying. 
Mm. So it might be, yes, your agreement says a thousand dollars, but to you on paper, it's really about $700 that you're going to be out of pocket because mm-hmm. of deduction for you and you recipient, it says you're getting a thousand dollars, but you need to understand you're actually netting this amount. And that will depend on their income bracket, their tax bracket. So again, not calculations, you can just do yourself. Yeah. It's so complicated. It is very complicated. (laughs) And it's another reason why usually if I'm doing any kind of, again, a long marriage, lots of high income, I will also really strongly suggest sometimes even insist that they're working with a financial planner. If they have their own, that's fine. But I have some that are trained divorce financial analysts, so they can look at those payments and help give some advice. Okay. If you take a lump sum, here's what you can do with it. Here's mm-hmm. how that would work versus monthly. So they really understand. Yeah. I think there's way too many people who go into a lawyer's office. The lawyer puts the income in, gives them the divorce mate sheet and says, here's the mid amount. Here's how many years you were married. Do that. It, it doesn't take in a lot of things into consideration. Even that example you just gave a minute ago about the one person's maybe going to go back to school and there's so many moving parts there that it would be really helpful to have someone with the finance background to help you budget according to your goals and what is going to make sense and help you get there. An attorney, that's not their skill set to help you make those decisions. You need that specialized support, I think, to help you make an informed choice in this matter. And that's really, I've had some clients give me pushback because I'll start to talk with the recipient about what their goals are and they want to be able to afford the house. And okay, let's try to assess if this amount of money is going to let you do that. And I've had clients sometimes say, why does that matter? Like the amount should be the amount and like too bad, then they have to figure it out. But because spousal is so gray, That's often how someone decides to accept the award or not. If you can Mm -hmm. show them, okay, here's what I'm prepared to offer. And then with a financial planner, we can show them, you know what, this will allow you to pay for your new mortgage, have a little bit in the bank. You'll be Mm -hmm. supported for five years to do education. Like we can show them that it'll work. Yeah. As opposed to what, yeah, I think is happening so much in um, the court system is just there's this amount given and sometimes it's not meeting the objectives or goals of that person's life at all. And maybe it's too much or maybe it's too little. And yeah, by looking at those interests, because again, we're not dealing with something black and white like child support, the way someone, I, I always say to clients, we need some sort of hook that we can start evaluating these offers by. Because otherwise it's it's just a mess of numbers. There's a hundred different permutations. So often that is, okay, do you want to afford the house? Okay. This will allow you to do that. Or you want to be able to have your debt paid off and be independent. This will allow you to do that. So they need to be able to evaluate. The other thing that starts to happen often is that the equalization payment discussion, equalized property, and that always needs to be done first or be pretty close to completed first. We at least have a pretty good ballpark of what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And for another podcast, but when we're talking about equalizing property, that's the home debts, assets that both owned. And if one has more, do they owe an equalization payment to the other? So where that merges with spousal is if there's going to be a buyout. So if 
I'm going to try to say this properly. So <laughs> in my own head, <laughs> the recipient of spousal wants to also buy out the house. They're likely going to be told they owe this lump sum, right? So yes, you can keep the house. You have to buy it out for let's say $200,000. So they may choose to have a lesser buyout or, or lesser payment they have to pay for their buyout or even wipe it out entirely in lieu of spousal support. If that recipient also should be receiving spousal support, let's say, make it really simple, let's say we're negotiating and it's around $200,000 lump sum of spousal, mm-hmm. they may say, okay, I will merge this discussion, right? I'm going to take my lump sum in lieu of that buyout. So I'm not going to owe you a buyout and you are not going to owe me any spousal support. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. sometimes where those two discussions end up merging together. I don't know how people are able to afford doing it any other way right now because real estate is just, it's off the charts, even to rent right now it's insanity here. So yeah, I don't know. It's so tough. (laughs) And when we look at spousal awards, we also are looking at ability to pay of the payer. And there's things like undue hardship. Like it has to, we're not factoring in budget. If someone chooses to drive luxury cars and rack up debt and all of that, they can't come back and say, sorry, I can't afford it. Yeah. But what we are looking at sometimes if they have to service debt from the marriage, if they Mm -hmm. took that on as part of the equalization, then that can be a factor. And just like you're talking about, I think there are more and more cases of what's sort of being called this undue hardship of, okay, we've calculated this amount, but there literally is not a place where this person can live now. Like they cannot afford rent. They yeah. cannot afford food. If so, we have to also be looking at They can't go get a one-bedroom apartment because you have two children together. And where are those two kids going to stay when it is their parenting time? Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure about this. I'm speculating, but I would hazard to guess that because of cost of living, particularly in Southern Ontario, that I would imagine some of those high-end spousal awards may be reduced because of that, mm-hmm. because you are in a situation where the cost of living has gone up so dramatically. And so yes, budget, like I said, isn't our most deciding factor, but someone has to be able to afford housing, even basic housing for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the other thing to consider, and again, I always want people to get legal advice is you would have a spousal support release. So either if you had a situation where you were agreeing to no spousal support or a situation where you had a fixed term. So we're going to pay these payments every month for five years and then it's ending, then this release would take effect when it ends. The release is somewhat comical, four huge paragraphs long, everything from an act of God or anything (laughs) at all will not allow you to come back for spousal support. Right. And, And that's a really big deal because if you had a long marriage and you would have had a large entitlement and then God forbid your health prevented you from working or something, you cannot go back to your spouse under any reason for support. So people do tend to want to sign the releases because it goes the other way too. The spouse can't also can't come after you if they lost their job, but it just is a big risk that people should be aware of. Mm -hmm. The other piece, when I say long marriage, there's these two rules that people probably see the rule of 65 and a rule of 20. And that is just that when we talk about 
entitlement being indefinite. So we said that that's where it would be continually subject to review. This rule of 65 is if the age of the recipient and the length of the marriage adds up to 65, then it would be an indefinite entitlement. And the rule of 20 would be, which I don't think the guidelines refer to it as a rule of 20, but it's just known as that would be just a marriage of 20 years or longer would again, typically be an indefinite entitlement. Okay. So I guess the process for someone who is recently separated and early stages, get some independent legal advice. Hopefully mediation is on the table. You could begin this process with a mediator, someone like yourself, and then you may want some additional support with someone like a CDFA. Yeah. Someone who's trained in finances, but is, you know, well-versed in spousal support and divorce family law, right? Yeah. Usually, like I said, usually the way it goes, like there's so many numbers. And so it's such a mess. And as a mediator, it's not my role to say, okay, here's what I think you should do. This this number seems fair. Mm -hmm. So someone is going to have to come forward with essentially an offer or or what they're thinking they want to do. And so that, if you don't feel equipped to be able to do that yourself with the numbers, some people do, then that's where, yeah, you want to talk to a lawyer, see what is fair under the law, what you think your entitlement would be, what range and duration they would advise you would be reasonable. And again, we always say, You want a lawyer who's going to advise you what is reasonable, not something, oh, yes, we can win this for you, but we're going to have to really fight for this. Mm -hmm. What's typical? What would be reasonable and why? What are the reasons to support that? And then often the sort of timeline would be, then we would talk about that in mediation and then either or both parties would then get some financial advice. And that's where sometimes I would even talk with them and the financial planner or talk with them after the financial planner. And I'm really just trying to figure out, okay, do you understand what you might be agreeing to? Is this meeting the goals that you said? Does this work for you? Because sometimes there are people that don't feel strong in finances and they're coming out of a long marriage. They don't really have any re-education or career and they're agreeing to little to no spousal. And so that's a situation where as a mediator, I would say, okay, we got to think about this. So you need to go get some financial advice. You need to go get some legal advice. How are you going to pay to live? Let's look at a budget. Yeah. Start putting in what I call this objective criteria. We've got to get in some objective hooks by which we can start to evaluate these spousal support awards. I have a a couple different budget outlines that I use even with my own clients. And I would say eight out of 10 clients have never used a budget, never really looked at one, even the clients who are handling half or even the majority of the finances and making those decisions. And it's really impactful to like, I, I always recommend, okay, you think you've got the numbers in your head, do me a favor, spend, it will only take you five minutes. If all the numbers are up here, then it'll be an easy task for you to bang out. And always it's, I didn't think about this, or this came to mind, or this was so detailed. I've never even considered. And this adds up to $8,000 a year. Yeah. It's really important to take all of those steps because it could significantly impact you moving forward either way. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a lot of money. There's a lot of money often on the table with spousal. And I try to talk to clients a lot too about the emotion part of it because sometimes people come and they do feel really tied to the income that their spouse was able to earn, particularly if it was a small business or they supported them through school and their education. They feel pretty strongly. You know what? They literally would not be in this financial situation if it weren't for me. Right. And I really do feel like I have an entitlement and that that is fair. It's not Mm -hmm. about being money hungry or whatever. Like that's fair. And then I also have clients where they reason it out in a different way. So I had one recently where one had a substantial pension and one had a small business and there was a potential spousal, but she thought, you know what? I worked really hard for my pension. He's worked really hard to build that business. We both have ability to keep on working that and earn for our retirement. It doesn't feel fair. Like I didn't put money into his business. I didn't, I was off working while he was growing the business. That was his thing. I have my pension and she understood the numbers and she felt fine signing off on that. So Mm -hmm. it really, the motion can come into it too. And really how she literally said, I wouldn't feel right. Yeah money from him. That doesn't feel right to me. I don't need it. I know I have my pension when I retire. So, you know, what, what the motion behind it and what you feel you want and how you want to exit that marriage is an important part too. I would imagine that people listening would have a lot of questions. So certainly send us questions. And I'm thinking that maybe we, a follow-up episode might make sense to this one. Yeah, that's a great idea. So you can leave a um, voice message if you want. There's a button just below the show notes, or you can DM us, email us. Yeah. Send us a message. Send us your question. And also just one final note, if you have been listening to the show and enjoying it, first of all, thank you so much for listening and supporting us, but we would really appreciate it if you would leave um, a review. So if you're listening on, I don't think Spotify has this. So if you're listening on uh, iTunes or Apple podcasts, leave us a review. You don't even have to write a long spiel. Even if you just give us the five star, that would mean so much. And it helps us um, be able to continue to do this show and give you all this great content. Thank you.